0: Welcome to the Afternoon Show. I'm Bill Arnold. Guy Talk will continue this half hour. And in the second half hour, we've got a special surprise for you. But it's going to be a wonderful uh, 30 more minutes with the guys. I think we have lost uh, the the secret agent. We did. He dropped off. That's he, a shame. He, he had to perform a sanction somewhere. I'm sure he <laughs> Dr. did. Indeed. No wins yeah. again. Yeah, the fact we can get 30 minutes from him at all is pretty yeah, impressive. We should just yeah. be glad we I got absolutely 30. Absolutely grateful 30 for of all of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we have uh, Pastor Tom Brock, Tom Parrish, and Peter Capsner. So if you've got questions you'd like us to uh, tackle, let us know what they are. We'd love to hear from you, 877-933-2484. A listener asked this question, what are your thoughts on the Pope calling for civil union laws for same-sex couples?
1: Wow, that's a big one. I don't
2: like, you know, uh, first of all, New York Times came out with that story, a documentary is coming out where supposedly the Pope says it. If he indeed, first of all, we need to just say that it's not impossible that they put a spin on his words. Okay. I want to be careful. Sure. Yeah. However, however, it's very possible that he is going to say something like, well, we don't believe in the behavior, but we think the civil unions are okay, mm-hmm. which stinks. I mean, it stinks. I mean, this the this is the pope that told atheists that just do good and you'll all go heaven. And I mean, it, this Pope is very is quite more liberal than Benedict and John Paul II. And um, you know, it, it just it, on on moral issues, the Catholic Church has been wonderful through the years. But this Pope is pushing envelopes. I wish he wouldn't push. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's you know, the whole idea of the civil union. I think uh, to the extent that I've done weddings in the past, uh, I understand the idea behind. By the power vested in me in the state of Minnesota, when when an officiant says those words. But at the end of the day, what sort of authority does the state or the civil actually be able to confer on anything related to the one flesh covenant of male and female, that God winds together? The scripture is very clear that God is bringing people together. And you, you, you can sort of sense that at a Christian wedding as the vows are being spoken back and forth between bride and groom, that God is really winding these people together into this new sort of one flesh covenant. So I, I, I get it that the state of Minnesota has a capacity to confer tax benefits in and in a change of status from that standpoint. But I'm also, uh, I'm very careful. As efficient to say in those moments, but more importantly, as an ambassador to the kingdom of God, I now pronounce you husband and wife, and and to to whatever authority I might be granted uh, by God in the the kingdom of the heavens in those moments to be able to pronounce something related to the one flesh covenant. It isn't coming from the state of Minnesota, it is coming from God's eternal kingdom. Now, so you can have a separation between church and state in those moments, but I think, uh, and Brock, to some of your point, I think. The hard part is, is that the confusion is, is that then we see, and in in teaching young people, uh, specifically in a class on uh, called sexuality that that I've taught for the past uh, eight or nine years, there is increasing confusion because when there is an endorsement of a certain model, whether it's a civil model or a church model, and both churches and states are both embracing. Um, gay and lesbian marriages, when that happens, the next generation didn't grow up with a contrast that said this is so unusual and so different and it seems wrong. They're growing up and that sort of is their model. That's their way of life. It becomes a possibility. And once you have a possibility, then you have the temptation. And once you have the temptation, then you have uh, the action and the behavior. And then pretty soon it just continues to perpetuate itself. So I I think that we can safely um, distinguish between civil union and God's kingdom unions that he brings into being. But, but I don't think that means that we can just neatly say, hey, civil," because some people will say, hey, it's a civil union. Yeah, they, there should be tax benefits conferred upon same-gender couples. You know, they deserve it by the state and for legal reasons. And some people sort of then wash their hands of the conversation. I just think still the models that we're upholding in the civil unions, I know they're ha- the havoc they're wreaking on the young people that I teach and the utter confusion that they have related to what is the invitation in the One Flesh Covenant.
3: Well, what it comes down to is this. If the the Pope endorses a civil union, he's putting a stamp of approval to a degree on it. it had been better if he'd said nothing about any kind of civil union and only talks about the one flesh as the Lord designed it in Scripture. I was mentioning earlier, it's simple. When the Lord says no, or when the Lord gives us a model of one man and one woman, there's a reason for that. Right. Because that's where health is. That's where life is. That's where the future is. That's where joy is. That's where a family is a family. Now, we hear all this rhetoric today about, well, same-sex marriages can do the same thing. According to God's Word, no, they can't. No matter how hard they try, sincere the people are, they really can't. And as a result, there is there are problems ahead that they've never even thought about. Um, it actually, it, toward the end of my active ministry in the church... I actually had couples wanting to come and talk to me that were gay couples because they couldn't get along with one another and they heard I was a good counselor. I find that interesting Mm -hmm. from the standpoint that they're beginning to discover, you know, all marriage, even a good marriage is tough. But when you violate what the Lord has said, you create your own set of problems. And if you go that route, you know, it's like today, we don't hear anything about HIV anymore. And yet, if you look at the statistics around the world, it's still killing an awful lot of people, but the media just dead silent because we come to accept the, the gay lifestyle. But
2: uh, I bury people
3: that have been the gay lifestyle.
2: Mm-hmm. And this way, you guys, um, atheist China doesn't have civil unions for homosexual couples. You know, uh, Godless Soviet Russia didn't either. And this isn't just a Christian thing. It's the way God made us. Whether we're atheist, Christian, or whatever, God would make not make two men to create a family. can't be done. And I think you could make a good secular argument from atheism that it doesn't make sense to to call two men a marriage. But uh, we've gotten so far beyond that now in our culture, I don't think people can see straight.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, and I think in fairness, again, I'm just going to go back to it from, uh, from the class perspective of the next generation, growing up in an entirely different kind of environment than any of us might have grown up in. Uh, there, I think, is the understandable objection that says, well, if two people love each other, why can't they just enjoy companionship for a lifetime? I mean, what does it matter what they're doing behind closed doors? Who am I to say? I mean, this is the language. I'm not advocating for that language. I'm I'm simply describing what the language is and where the confusion and the objection is coming from. And unless we can articulate as the church A much more robust view of marriage besides just the fact that hey I'm just trying to find a companion to you know to enjoy a lifetime with that was never the invitation uh, of the one flesh covenant in the scriptural standpoint that your job is to find a companion to enjoy a lifetime of adventure and romance with that that's not the invitation that might be part of what you experience in the One Flesh Covenant Union. But the biblical view of that covenant is is there's a much greater call on your life related to it that has very little to do with the idea that you found a companion that you got to enjoy for a lifetime. And so when we've reduced marriage down and forgotten what the covenant is meant to be, there is that understandable objection of saying, well, if I love somebody, then why don't I get a companion too for a lifetime? I think the church has a lot of work to do to reestablish what it is that the one flesh covenant is meant to be. And to the extent that we can do that, you then begin to see the contrast of why gay and lesbian unions fall short of of that mark. right. I've got a special question just for Tom Brock.
0: Tom. Oh, boy. Yeah, I know. I I know you love when you get singled out. (laughs) Uh, The listener was asking, was the white-haired pastor 40 years ago that you referenced Pastor Siegel or Roger Carlson?
2: It was the third guy that was at Pope Lutheran Church,
0: Maynard Force. Oh, okay. Thank you for that. Yep. All right. Here's another question, (laughs) gentlemen, just came in. How do we balance being crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20, looking not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others? Philippians 2.4, and ha- having healthy boundaries and good self-care. Curious for the guy's thoughts on that. Thank you. How do we balance being crucified with Christ, looking not only to our own interest, but also to the interest of others and having healthy boundaries and good self-care? Great question. Mm-hmm.
2: I think sometimes for the good of the other, you call the police on them and you get them arrested. If somebody is molesting you or your children and they're hurting you, for their sake. The wait, wait, what,
0: sake. What, wait, hang on, Tom. I don't know how you got yeah. to that place. Well, uh,
2: I, thought, I thought they were talking about boundaries. How do you, Maybe
0: I misread the question. Well, that's there, okay. That's but, okay. You're yeah. in a car in a parking lot in Des Moines. So. <laughs> <laughs> that explains a lot. I'm going to cut you a lot of slack right now. <laughs> no. but yeah, I didn't hear any of that. Uh, let me just say, I think the question okay. is, uh, we're crucified with Christ, so we, it, it's not about us. We want to look to Others and the interest of others, and we want to have good boundaries and self care. Uh, that's how I'm understanding the question. Yeah. And how do we do that?
2: <laughs> I better bottle out because
0: I'm hearing a different way. Pastoral okay. burnout is
3: incredibly high yeah. in Christianity. And for the last 20 years, um, I even talked to the people with worked with Dobson. I mean, I directly called them and talked with them. I said, Look, I'm hearing this uh, 1,500 pastors a month. You know, where are you getting those statistics? And they said, Well, We've been working with George Barna and others, and, and these are the figures that are kind of average. We lose about that many per month. They just get burned out and leave. I think too many pastors and too many Christians try to become the Savior. We are not the Savior of other people. Only Jesus is the Savior. Where I survived in ministry is when I came to realize, look, I am here to love Jesus and to represent him as best I can. I cannot solve your problem. I cannot fix your way of life. I cannot make what you've done right that's wrong. What I can do is give you the Lord's mind and his invitation and his opportunities to change your life and to do that. But if you choose not to go, you know, to alcohol treatment, if you choose to continue to berate your children in that, you know, I'm not going to be sitting at your house all night making sure you're doing the right thing. What I will do, though, is tell you the consequences of what's going to happen. Yeah. And if people understand that, then I can be involved with my neighbors. I can help others. I think where a lot of Christians back away from their neighbors and others is they get way too caught up in the issue. And they're trying to solve the issue when it's not theirs to solve. It's the other person's issue. You're there to assist them as best you can.
1: Yeah, I, there is absolutely a cost to being an ambassador of God's kingdom in this world because we, we do live in a cataclysmic struggle between good and evil. And there, there is a cost. There is a power. There, there's all sorts of things associated with that. I'm very compelled when Jesus is walking along the roadside and the woman touches the hem of his garment mm-hmm. and he says, power has left me. Yeah. and And Jesus, in his humanity, as he did minister the the reality of the kingdom to the world around him it it cost him as well, and what did he do? He often, even at the height of when the crowds needed him most, we see this sort of pattern that then he departs and heads yeah. into the quiet and into the silence and into the place of, of recharging with God to you know Sabbath is so much about that where you you, you turn and, and reorient and recharge and remember. Uh, and uh, and are able to then enter into the world again, but the idea that you can just give and give and give and give, and give you will burn out immediately. There there is limitations on all of us. So uh, how do we balance that? Well, it's a recognition that to stay in the fight, filled with faith for the long haul, there power is leaving us as we're in this world if we're inhabited by God doing the work of the kingdom. Uh, around us, uh, I I am never more tired than after a sermon on a Sunday. If I do a sermon, it is, it is exhausting. You're just completely wiped out, and and you have it When when people are like, "Let's have lunch after church," I'm like, "No, thank you." You know, I mean, it doesn't mean I don't love you, but you do have to. Um, what, for listeners who have engaged in in the work of God's kingdom, you do have to get away, and you do have to oh, yeah. recharge and reorient.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me take a little break. Guide talk. We've got one more segment. If you have a question, let us know what it is. Eight seven seven ninety three Faith or Bill at MyFaithRadio.com. If we don't get to your question, just know that I saved the questions for another episode, so uh, send away. Be right back. All right, we're back with Guide Talk Power panel is down to Pastor Tom. Boy, we just lost Justin. let just put it that way. <laughs> so we have Tom and um, Tom and Peter. So uh, here's a question. Is the Lord's Prayer uh, a model for prayer or words that we should quote like any piece of Scripture we love and quote? Mm-hmm. Or both? All right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Can I can I tell you something, Bill? I've heard people say, I mean, you know, we aren't supposed to pray the Lord's prayer. It's just a model. Well, why not? You know, and then, then I love there's quoting a weird scripture. Teach. Yeah, and then there's a weird. I love to say the Lord's prayer, and and here's the thing, dear
0: Bill, Bill and everybody, don't <laughs> um, make it about me, Tom. Include everyone. Well,
2: there's a weird. Everybody <laughs> in radio, on listen to me. There, there's a, there's a weird teaching that Jesus taught the Lord's prayer before he was crucified. But after the crucifixion, everything changed, and now uh, we don't need to ask for forgiveness of sins because we've already got it because of Christ. We don't need to know, you know. It just gets weird. Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer to say, and uh, it, the crucifixion or resurrection of Christ didn't change that. You know, so.
3: Any time in the church or in your, your heart, even as a Christian, when you keep saying the same thing over and over without thinking about it, without understanding what it means for you and your relationship with the Lord, it can become then simply uh, vain repetitions. And that's what Jesus was critical of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, that doesn't mean you can't pray the Lord's Prayer every day. The point is, in the Lord's Prayer, you know, Jesus has given us not only a model, he's given us the very things we should pray about. You've got praise in there to the Father. You've got forgiveness for your enemies. You've got looking at your own heart. You've got trusting in the Lord, you know, for all things. And and too often when I would lead prayer groups and I would say, let's take time now just to praise the Lord. Most Christians couldn't do it. I mean, you might get one or two people say, you're, you're the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Dead silence. Because we don't normally pray that way. Mm-hmm. And yet look at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. So how do we incorporate what Jesus has taught us there into every prayer that we pray. And once I learned, began to learn how to do that, my prayer life began to change. Mm. But I still pray the Lord's Prayer
0: a lot, Tom.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, here's a yeah. pa- passage out of Matthew. Do you want to add something else, Tom?
2: I'm fine, thanks.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the <a> first. Okay. <laughs> ah! Matthew fifteen eight. 8. Uh, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. that have something to do with what we just talked about?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, one of the questions in the, in the first hour was just that idea about having a contrite heart versus people that um, that are just working from the, the external behavior. And that was Jesus's biggest critique uh, of the Pharisaical way of, uh, of life. And the Pharisees understandably get a really bad rap in the scriptures but because of the, by the time of Jesus's day, they really did focus on external behavior. And Jesus says, you know, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside, but in the inside, you're filled with the bones of dead men. And the origin of the Pharisees was that they did want to to keep the law because they thought that the reason why they got carried into captivity as the Israelites was that they had departed from God's law. So they wanted to keep the law down to its jot and tittle. And they even organized some 600 different kinds of commands that they needed to live by. And so they lived very much this external way of life, but it it, it really morphed and, and the power of the, of the Pharisees corrupted the Pharisees to the point where they looked great and they could honor God with their lips, but but it was about them and their hearts were completely uh, independent uh, of anything caring about the kingdom of God. So I, I do think that, um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that when we're feeling like we're acting in empty and rote obedience, that we're participating in that spirit. I think there is a real intentionality of the Pharisees to really exalt themselves and control the people through the religious means, which is why Jesus is like, you are always tying weights around my children. I mean, big, heavy millstones around people with what you're telling them they have to do all the time. my mm-hmm. yeah, with... know... Go ahead, Tom.
2: Go ahead, Tom. I I don't like it when a Catholic priest, sorry, says to somebody after they confess their sins, now go say 10 Our Fathers and 20 Hail Marys. I mean, I mean, I I think, I I love saying the Lord's Prayer, but to say 10 Our Fathers in a row, for what reason? I just, you know, to me, uh, Jesus said, don't pile up empty phrases like the Gentiles, you know, for your Heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And And if you can say 10 Our Fathers in a row, really meaning it, okay, but, I mean, I I just don't see that being a a biblical command anywhere.
3: Well, you know, it's Hallmark Christmas time, and uh, all the Hallmark movies, the new ones, 40. There's 40 of them this year. Even with COVID, it's amazing. The plot is exactly the same. The script is exactly Mm -hmm. the same. There's nothing that changes, just the characters, that's all. And I always love the, toward the end, there's always the misunderstanding between the woman and the man. She doesn't get what he's saying or whatever, and they kind of, well, you don't really care, and they walk away. And I watch these guys say this, you know, I really love you, but then they walk away. And I've told my wife many times, I'll sit there, we have fun with this, I'll say, he's stupid. Mm. If you really love somebody, you're going to pursue them. You're not going to just let them walk away. You're going to go after them. That's what Christianity is. We're pursuing Jesus. We're not pursuing the rules. We're not pursuing the rituals. We're pursuing him. And when we pursue Jesus, uh, as when I pursued my my wife, and I still do after 48 years. Matter of fact, yesterday was 48 years together.
1: Congratulations. And I still Thank you.
3: love her dearly. The bottom line is I'm pursuing her because I genuinely want to be with her. I genuinely love her. I genuinely care about her. And nobody has to tell me to do it. That's well, what it should be in Christianity. Yeah,
1: and people know it, right, when you, when you are uh, acting in a loving fashion towards them, but you don't actually like them. You know, that, that just doesn't, uh, that doesn't make your heart sore exactly. You can kind of tell when, when people are acting that way. I
3: remember those junior
0: high dances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
2: well, I got, uh, go ahead,
0: Bill. I got two quick questions I'm going to try to cover in four minutes, so maybe uh, one person answer per question. Uh, should Christians participate in Halloween? Go ahead, Tom. I, I could I could hear your breathing. I know you want to get in on this you one. Know,
2: honestly, this is I. Uh, the question I the, like the, the question demonic. is
0: do do Christians celebrate Halloween? And I I reworded it a little bit. I don't know why. Um, mm. Participate uh, seems like a easier word to, well, to process. There's,
2: there's, mm-hmm. There definitely there's enough demonic about Halloween. We need to be super careful. When I have a picture of me at age six. Mom and Dad pushed me out the door to go trick-or-treating, dressed up as the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Mom and Dad, what were you thinking?
0: 50 bucks for that picture. (laughs) I'll go to 75. I'll go to 100. (laughs) What if you dress up
2: your kid as a Bible character? I I love to put salvation tracks in kids' bags. When they come to the door, we used to order like fifteen hundred every every Halloween, and people would grab them off the table in the and then our and they drop them in with the candy. So there's a way to, um, you know, it's probably uh, anyway. That's about as much as I can say.
0: <laughs> All right, the other question I'd like to squeeze in. My uh, evangelical friend has been reading a lot of Father Richard Rohr. She says it's. She says she's learning so much, mm. and her faith has evolved. Bottom line, based on her reading. She thinks everyone who seeks God will be in heaven. From what I've read about him
1: online, I think he's a universalist. Any insights on this? Mm. So I have read a lot of Roar for okay. the years, so I can speak maybe a little bit towards that. And I would say some of his early material had some pretty compelling things to it. And and uh, But but I would also—so I think there is some, some real truth in what he had to say in some of his earlier writings. But I, I would share the perspective that uh, certainly over the last couple of years, he really has—I suppose the word could be evolved in his thinking, and, and I think it's a fair— understanding of where he's coming from to be much more of a universalist and certainly would articulate that there's different religions that all are sort of leading to God and kind of that whole perspective within Roar, which is really, to me, it's really disappointing because I think some of the most profound stuff I've ever read about male initiation in American culture came from him. He had some incredibly good writing and important writing about that, but certainly over the last couple of years, I think that's a fair critique that he has gone that direction and it's a little troubling. It's a shame. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, Anybody else want to jump in? We got ninety never heard, seconds left
2: never
0: heard of them, bill yeah <laughs> i I do agree, Peter. I read something twenty years ago, maybe yeah. about uh, you know the the rights of initiation for young men and yeah. how important it is and I thought that's pretty solid stuff, but I, I haven't touched anything of his in many, many years. And I, I would say that if he's evolved and gotten to this point, that's that's too bad.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. And, and the, the very basis of my postgraduate work was about male initiation and in Western culture and the lack thereof and stuff. And that was really birthed out of some of the same stuff I think you must have been reading. But, yeah, it, more recently, it, it certainly has gone a different direction. Yeah,
0: Gentlemen, thank you so much. It's been an enjoyable uh, uh, 90 minutes. Yeah, Tom, drive safe. Look forward to seeing you next okay. week. Okay. That wraps up Guy Talk coming up next. I got a special surprise for you, so don't go anywhere. Be right back. Welcome back to the show. All right, this big surprise I was telling you about—we've got a mini Queens of the Roundtable that is about to take place with uh, Rosie Browson and Rebecca Maxwell. But it does come with a caveat. Oh, big it, sigh. It's a big be... sigh. It's a big sigh. I've had a week to—I've had a week to process this, so I don't know I... at what point I'm going to burst into tears. But it'll and be I've at any given time. Process.
4: I know. Yeah, I've yeah. had months to process, and I actually have a little present
0: Okay, well, let's not jump let's not jump to any conclusion yet. I know, yeah, but I was going to say
4: in the present because yeah. I've been processing mm-hmm. every single little piece was important to me.
0: Okay. Well, listeners What
4: a tease. Liz, Liz, yeah,
0: <laughs> listeners are going, "What are they talking about?" And here is the news. Mm. Rebecca is leaving Faith Radio. uh
4: uh-uh. Can I do the collective sigh for everybody yeah, else? Go ahead. Oh. go mm. We're going to make her tear up. I, I am thankful this is radio because I am going to tear up. <laughs> and now the guilt sets in. I know. <laughs> I'm making everybody cry. And that's like the last <laughs> thing I want to do. No, so you have to look at it, though, is that if you haven't impacted our lives, we wouldn't be teary and right. we wouldn't be considering this with such enormity for happiness for you. I sent... Rebecca, a very funny meme today. I, I just <laughs> discovered gifts and they are my new favorite thing, but it's the I'm so happy for you and so sad for me.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah. Let's hear from Rebecca. Uh, so, what are you doing?
4: That's an excellent question. <laughs>
0: it's, a step have, of, it's a step of faith.
5: It is. It's a step of faith for us, uh, for our family. Um, but my husband is, is uh, enjoying some great opportunities, some open doors in a new location. Unfortunately, um, it's about 250 miles away from our current location, so I couldn't make the commute. Um, but I am excited to see some of these open doors. You know, we considered it for quite a while. And I guess uh, when Rosie and I were chatting a bit about how to approach the discussion, rather than just make it, oh, I'm so sorry that I'm leaving, uh, because I, I'm going to miss each and every person here. And, and everyone that's listening right now, you matter to me. And um, I've been blessed to to just be able to learn from, from everyone here and feel the love for these four plus years. Um, but I I am looking at it as a step of faith for me. It's not the most immediate um, answer as to, well, what am I going to do next? Um, but when some great open doors cropped up for my husband, and it's uh, an area that we know and love very well, um, and I presume there's people there that need to know about Jesus. So <laughs> we're happy to go <laughs> and, uh, and spread the good word and just... Um, kind of make a new life there but there's some details that I'm not quite sure about yet and that's been really different for me. Um, it feels a lot more like I'm following than leading right now, and that can activate my inner control freak. Uh, so I've had a few sleepless nights. I've had a lot of questions and a lot of prayer time and just earnest seeking, like, Lord, what what is next for me? What do you want for me to do with what you've put in my heart, skills, passions, experiences? And we were talking about that somewhat with Glenn yesterday, too. And I'm I'm happy to go but I'm taking some steps without having the full details. I think there's is so that many stupid? people that, that No, it's
4: so beautiful, <laughs> Rebecca, because it, I think it, it, it hits so many people about where they are. This year has changed so many people's perspective. They've changed their jobs. It's changed their home life. And many people are responding with, I'm going to step out in faith. I don't know where this is going. And I think what you're Going through right now, and you're doing so with such strength and transparency before us all. Um, it's very encouraging, and it gives uh, it inspires other people to trust the Lord. And it reminds me of uh, Psalm, I, th- I think it's 43, where it says, "Meditate on." God's kindness, you know, when you think about the Lord and who He's been for you across your whole life, it allows you to step into things without answers a lot easier. Um, so it's we really have to sometimes lean on what we how we've experienced the Lord in the past to know that He will be just that same way in the in, in our future.
0: Well, Rebecca is brilliantly smart, mm-hmm. extremely funny, very personable, and. Now somebody else has I something.
4: have my
5: moments. That's all I'll claim. <laughs> I was going
4: to just wait because all those things are true. Yeah. And I, the gonna, the most I amazing... wanted you to keep going. That's all.
0: Yeah. <laughs> keep on going. Well, and then Rebecca, what do I What do I often say to you about knowledge and wisdom and information when it comes to what you know versus what I know? No,
5: oh, <laughs> the melon baller?
0: Yeah. Game. What do I say?
5: You say, take what you know and then cut it in half. And then get out a melon baller and cut that in half.
0: (laughs) And then get out one scoop of melon baller. And (laughs) that's what I know compared to what you know.
5: (laughs) But that's not necessarily true because I've learned an awful lot from you, Bill. So I know more because of you. So you have increased and enriched my wisdom and experience such as it is. So I have to be forever grateful to you.
0: Well, you're nice to say that. Oh, my goodness. It's getting thick in here. Seriously,
4: I'm glad I'm on the other side
5: of this
0: table
4: because I don't know if I could walk over on that side right now.
0: Yeah, but you know the the radio um show is obviously it's uh, it's it's emotional, it's personal, it's you know intimate as we're talking to you and you're in your car or in your home and mm-hmm. and our voices are coming into your space. It's um it's such a intimate form of communication and when we put shows together and Rebecca does uh, most of the work like 90 what percent it's a high percentage I'm of the work. I'm not
4: greedy. <laughs> She'll say 90.
0: But all the work she does in getting the show set up and the program ready and uh, the way our my guests love her. And I don't, I'm not surprised because she's so personable and um, she's the contact point with the guests. And they, they always say, boy, she's smart. And I go, yeah, I know. And, um. It's so nice. And so it's been a wonderful part of uh, this job to be here with you. So when you leave next week, ah, what am I going to do? I'm sure the show will go on. I know it will.
5: I'm sure it will. And I'm glad to have played a part in it. Um, and to be here kind of at the beginning of afternoons with Bill Arnold and the morning show before that, which was really fun. So we've seen each other on both sides of the clock. Yes, we have. We have <laughs> I like
4: the Rebecca in the afternoon much better than the Rebecca I sat across from in the morning. Oh, When you yeah. had morning show,
5: this,
0: yeah. is, this
4: afternoon is your
0: jam.
5: Well, that's because I've had many more cups of coffee before I go on yes. here.
0: <laughs> that is true. It's afternoon caffeine. does help. It so does, nice. doesn't it? It's nice just to be awake, isn't it? Yes. And be more alert <laughs> yes. you know, versus getting jarred out of bed at four in the morning.
5: <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I mean, it's it's been great to work on, on both sides of that and just to see the full spectrum. You learn a lot about people. And and I've always said one of the greatest privileges of this job is not only getting to encourage and uplift people and tell them about Jesus and speak openly, but it's also how much I get to learn, which is always key for me. I'm such a nerd. I love learning new things. I love talking to very, very smart people and and you know getting the chance to ponder these big questions. So this has been nothing but joy for me. Um, I will say something that can encourage me right now because I do still have those kind of like well where where am I going exactly stepping in I will say we have four kids and two dogs and my wonderful husband and you know it will be a busy house and we've got schooling at home. And so I, I will have things to do, Um, but it's not necessarily career or radio based, which is very, very different for me. So I think what would encourage me is if, um, if any of our listeners wanted to share, you know, times where they kind of took that step out in faith and God proved himself faithful in their lives. If you'd be willing to share that with me, I think that would uplift my heart today.
0: And that doesn't have to be immediately right now. No, uh, no, that's fine. Just send your, it my your way. Your last day is Monday. That's correct. So uh, you can send text anytime and you can uh, also... Yeah, um, I'd love to hear the story. Yeah, because stories are powerful. And we started uh, Queens of the Roundtable, uh, I think, at the beginning of when we started doing afternoons. And we realized how much incredible wisdom and fun there was when uh, Mm. Christian women gathered and talked. It's kind of like the view
4: for women, really, (laughs) for Christian women. (laughs) And and you're just really getting a snapshot of what happens in our cubicles and our um, office aisle in the middle of the day Mm -hmm. with all the, the great staff we have here. And you know what's so fun, Rebecca, is just sharing friendship with you. And Bill, you were saying all these great attributes she has and she does. And her first response was, what are we going to do without you? She's like, oh, the show will go on. And that's so Rebecca. And Rebecca, I just love that's your attitude. And you're right. The show will go on and no one has to step into your shoes because they're not really fillable. You have, you have such a beautiful giftedness, and you've brought every part of yourself to this show and to Faith Radio and to Northwestern Media, and it's we have improved because of it. I have improved because of it. So I just love that that is your heart, even at this moment now, and everybody, she's teary Don't
5: up. do it. Don't do it to me. <laughs> so well, I, what you said, Rosie, reminded me, if I can turn the attention to another great lady for, for just a second, is a quote from Irma Bombeck. I don't know if anybody remembers Irma Bombeck. I love Irma. I love her. And I always remember this one thing she said where she said, when I stand before God at the end of my life, I want him to see that I have nothing left, that I used everything that he gave me. That mm-hmm. that it's something similar to that. And I I just want to be in that position where I think I'm I'm not holding anything back. I'm not keeping anything off the table. But whatever skills, gifts, passions, anything that you've given me, Lord, you want me to use it here for your glory and for everyone else's good. So hopefully in as I move forward I, I am doing that or I continue to do that because that's my goal. I want to use what God has given me for his glory and for the good of everyone around me. So I'm just looking for different ways to do that, mm-hmm. and we'll see what happens as he writes the story.
0: I love that. A listener just jumped in with, when you speak on radio, God's love shines through your voice. Aww. Your gift of speaking while you smile is special. God's word has reached me all the way to hartford connecticut as you spoke god bless you on your journey thank you god bless
5: you too if i'm ever
4: in hartford i'll look you up (laughs) (laughs) she's coming right now because we don't know exactly oh well hartford's a little farther away than 250 miles but yes yeah we're we're, my
5: family's moving to des moines moving to Iowa and so my my husband and I are both Iowa natives and it feels kind of like a homecoming we have family there Um, and we've been through an awful lot of transition in our own personal lives just in terms of health crises and um, everybody knows our story with Gabriel if you've been listening for a while and so it's nice to be able to have that support and that family nearby that's part of our our um, desire certainly Um, but yeah there's There's some details that uh, are yet unclear and yet we pursue. And I I guess I've been working and gravitating a lot towards stories of the patriarchs where God calls Mm -hmm. them. He called Abraham and Sarah. He's like, "Okay, leave this comfortable, you know, well-established place and go out to the land. I will show you. And Bill, you've got some, some great thoughts on Abraham where he didn't have the details and he said, okay, I'm going to go.
4: Where am I going? And
0: tell you later. Got, right. Tell you later. Yeah. Just go. You're on a need to know basis right. right now. You don't need to know.
4: <laughs> he didn't even get to see the full promise lived nope. out. I know. And that's the part, um, Abraham has been such a part of my story over the last two months where I just feel there's so much to his walk of faith and why it's attributed to him as righteousness. He didn't get to see it. He just believed it, and there, that's so inspirational. And, and so whatever seeds God is planting in Iowa for you, they're, they're being planted. Whether you get to see their fruit or not, they're going to be planted because he's called you and you are walking out to Iowa.
5: Right. Well, and, and we get to plant You know, one plants another waters another harvest. God gives the increase. So we all have that part to play. So I'm just looking to play my part and we'll see what that looks like. I don't have it the nice uh, happily ever after bow on it just yet, but story's not over yet. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: You are a beautiful soul, and the way you genuinely care about everyone's story makes you feel like such a dear friend. God bless you on your journey.
4: Hmm.
0: How sweet is that?
4: It's so sweet. I know. I know. Bill, I think that people would say the same for you. You have brought so much uh, humor and depth and personab- personability this so to this afternoon. Me. I know. Yeah. It could be, though. No,
0: but it's not. <laughs> it's, we're not going down that I'm just, road.
4: I'm just we turning can make it to you, you so, uncomfortable so Rebecca too. can have it, just yeah. a deep breath.
0: Well, I, do, I did have a list of demands, which I, I, I insist that get met and. And, Rebecca, I do think you're planning on continuing on the Monday afternoon mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell.
5: I'm happy to. If there's, if there's room for me, it'll there be a long distance. There is room for you. But yeah, trust
0: me, there's room I for you. I can
5: hop in, as far <laughs> as I know. I'm, I'm still mixable.
0: <laughs> Good. I know you are. Indeed you are. All right. We're going to take a little break. Uh, let me know if you've got a little a well-wish for Rebecca. She's going to leave Monday after the show. Her family moving to Des Moines, so she will not be part of the afternoon show anymore. And I'm fighting back my tears right now. All right, right back. I don't know where. Appropriate song. I thought it was perfect. It's I was thinking, perfect. my goodness. Yeah. Delivering the news uh, if you just joined us, that Rebecca Maxwell, producer of the afternoon show, is leaving the show. Her and her family are moving to Des Moines. Um, everything is good, family is well. New opportunities in ministry are ahead for her. So I'm thrilled, excited, but sad you're leaving.
4: Yeah, you know, it reminds me, uh, when the Lord first found me in the year 2000, there was a mantra. I didn't really know how to pray, and I certainly didn't know enough scripture to be praying scripture, but I remembered the story of Peter getting out of the boat. And often as I was understanding Christianity in a new way, uh, I would say to myself, Lord, Keep my eyes on you, least I see the wind. And you are such a beautiful example of that. And what you said right before break about you just want to do what he would like you to do and do it with your fullness, it reminded me, and I had this written down before I came in because I thought, wow, it'd be lovely to tell Rebecca that you walk out this scripture and then you brought it up. So it's Psalm 143, 10, and it says, help me to do your will for you are my God. Lead me in good paths for you, for your spirit is my good. And I just love that that is That's who your awesome. heart is, where I, your heart is.
5: Well, and and I don't always know exactly what that looks like. And I know I've got a lot of learning to do, which is one of the reasons I loved hanging out here, because I am surrounded by very smart, very awesome, very faithful and strong people. Um, and we've we've called each other a family here at our mm-hmm. our radio family for a while but that's not really just a saying that that's really how it feels and when you get into those times that really challenge you and shake you and make you question all right lord you know where are you in this and and what do i really believe about you and is it true and um it really really helps to see the hand of God through his people. You see that through the hearts of everyone who works here. Um, So I've been just honored to be a part of that team for the last several years. And I'm not going to cry, Bill. Don't don't do that. Don't make me cry. I'm not. not
4: (laughs) The corner (laughs) of my eye. (laughs) You know, I think that's the beauty of this afternoon show. And I was uh, meeting with a, a donor yesterday. And what they said about the show is the transparency of it, it allows them to feel normal and imperfect, imperfectly perfect Christian. And so I think um, that resonates with so many people about just being real and knowing that our spiritual walk is a, is a walk of growth. It's there. It's not a, I'm here, right? It's a continual um, refurbishing of what we know and transformation process with God for until the last day we're here. So, and you've been a very good witness of that, um, Rebecca. You've really allowed us to walk with you through your difficult days and through the days of great joy. And that's, you know, it's a blessing. Thank you, Rosie.
5: Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. Well, and and as you were saying that, I was thinking we can't, None of us can get further along than God allows for us to be at that exact moment. But he never lets us walk alone. And that's the thing I think maybe we're just afraid of is that I'm not enough. I've had so many times where I just thought, I'm not going to be enough for this. I'm not going to be strong enough. And, and God said, yeah, but you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You're not, you may not be enough per se, but I am with you. And mm-hmm. that is enough. And he's had the the wonderful grace to put so many people in my life and in my family's life too, so that physically we're not alone either. I know that's been such a hard thing during this time of isolation for so many, is that it feels we become more and more susceptible to the lie that we are alone or mm-hmm. that we are expendable or that we are not enough. And none of those things are true because we are not alone. Never, ever, ever will he leave Me Or forsake me or leave you once you are by his side, you are his child and he doesn't abandon his children. But there have been those times when it kind of feels a little Mm -hmm. bit farther away. Um, When you're in a hospital waiting room and you don't know you feel like you're out of control and you're scared. He's there. He is there with you. Um, And I know I felt that and I felt that presence and encouragement from folks like you. I see a text message. It makes me smile. I see a joke from Bill pop up on my phone and I just (laughs) need that smile right then. And it matters so much more than you think. So if you can reach out and do that for someone today, that is a work of God, you are showing God's love through that encouragement, just being with someone when you can or expressing your thoughts about them and your encouragement about them when you can.
0: Mm -hmm. And Rebecca, this is kind of like your first little hiatus from radio, which you've been at since you were 16. Correct. So you've been in radio for a a long time and now you're going to be stepping out away from a radio job, uh, from the day-to-day business of being a a producer or an on-air talent. And so that's kind of a big change.
5: Probably longer than I've done anything else in my life at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of an identity check Mm -hmm. as well, if you will, because you think about that for so long, people say, oh, who are you? You know, what's your name? What do you do? And I've always been able to say, oh, I'm I'm a radio producer or for a while I was a reporter um, and kind of like that was that was a big part of my little business card <laughs> level introduction. And so that's that's been huge. I I absolutely love it. It's still kind of a part of who I am. And so I do hope selfishly that there are some radio opportunities in the future. We'll just see. Um, as of right now, I don't have anything lined up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not really what's motivating the move. I think no matter what, I, I want to be able to serve Jesus with my whole heart. And that's something that my husband and I are both very convinced of um, that no matter what, that needs to be our focus and our focus on raising our family and the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And maybe having a time to be able to focus on that a little bit is super fun. But, um, you know, if God grants me the ability to maybe do something, in terms of of radio with microphones and awesome people, then um, I would be truly and abundantly
4: blessed by that. We can just set up a pretend one on your kitchen table too. Oh, like that We could just and so when you're yeah. calling in on Monday for the Miles <laughs> Show, you can just like pretend that you're well, talking. It into doesn't it. have
5: to be plugged in or anything. No, I'll just like it does. It there doesn't. at the kitchen table with <laughs> the microphone and pretend.
4: It's so perfect though, because you know you're just you're just highlighting what so many of us have to address and wrestle with is our identity, and of course our identity is a daughter or a son of of the High King, but sometimes. We know that that should be the first way we answer, and yet we're in this humanistic world, yeah. and the work of our hands seems like it's more important to who we are. And so just um, we'll just be praying for you over that just so that you know the enemy doesn't come in and try to tarnish who you really are, which is the daughter of the high king, and a very important mom to four kids in transition. You know, that's, boy, that would take everything I have. <laughs> and we're all doing online school, so I accept all prayers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, already I'm out. There's just no way I could <laughs> even try to address all that.
0: So, Rebecca, I, m- I must uh, also thank you for not only your, um, your incredible competence, which you bring to the show every day, but you have such a playful spirit. Um, how many times do you think I asked you, to sing,
5: a few—that's like more than a few.
0: Forty, maybe.
5: And How many times did I say, "Don't make me sing"?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know
5: you made me write a song during share while I we did. were taking calls, and we had to hit all the breaks. And I wrote a a customized song for some very special. Uh,
0: yes, you did,
5: daughters of ours.
0: Yeah, you did. <laughs> and, and all the- I
5: knew about them was their na- the name of their city. Yeah, and I <laughs> had to figure out what rhymed with all those.
0: Yeah. So you know I'm going uh, to make you really uncomfortable one last time. You know that, oh don't no.
5: you? Oh, no. I you, hadn't anticipated
0: you, that. Well, come on. I mean, it's I'm me. short-sighted like that. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do?
0: I'm going to ask you to sing a verse of Amazing Grace. Oh, and then, yeah. And then we'll, uh, we'll you can just close the show at the end of Amazing Grace. You can just go to the end. Is that now? Yes.
5: Because we've got two minutes.
0: Well, that's plenty of time. I mean, we can have some extra bumper music tonight. Oh, I, think she should,
4: I think she should do a couple bars, that's like just I mean. keep on going. Pull up the words. Just sing the whole song
0: because that will be a gift to the listeners. It really yes, would be. It
4: really, actually, it really would. And I'm sitting here like with this big grin on my face, going, "Yay, I get to oh, hear I I
0: Rebecca I know. sing!" What a beautiful way to end.
4: Now, mm-hmm. now is my cue.
0: Now is the cue. You
4: tell
5: me when to come in. <laughs>
0: okay, when <laughs> <laughs> to come in now